Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hi, and welcome to December's Outside the Box. We're going to be keeping it short because we have not a huge amount of time in our studio this week. <laughs> Can that be just, your introduction? Please? Mickey's just eating into it there with some... <laughs> I've got um, a runny nose. Because we are using a whole hour of our studio time today to record our Outside the Box Christmas special, which will be a quiz. Hey! TV of the Year quiz. That will be with you on Boxing Day. And we uh, will be joined by Hannah George, TV writer and one of the drunk women solving crime and the brilliant TV critic Julia Rayside. Hooray! Hooray side. Hooray. So in the meanwhile, let's crack on two bits of news that I just want to start at the top with. Number one, there is finally, <laughs> finally, finally a date for the deuce, <gasps> which is in January, January 2020 it arrives, uh, which is something to look forward to for the new year. I have actually seen it, Jen. Have you? I have. I got tired of waiting and I gave Sky every opportunity. I tweeted them. I said, where is it, dudes? They didn't respond to me. I went and found it by myself. If they want my money in advertising revenue, put it on sooner, not three months after. Uh, It's very good, but we'll get to that in January. Second bit of news is that I have seen just this morning loads and loads and loads of praise for Tim Minchin's new Sky drama, which is called Upright. Um, I know not a huge amount about it. Perhaps we can fit it in in January, but that might be worth watching. There's loads of stuff coming up on Christmas, but we haven't got time to go through the schedule. So check your Radio Times, people. Do people still get the Radio Times? I think they do at Christmas. I think think it's still a Christmas tradition, isn't it? Or they get the thing that comes free with whatever newspaper they buy. Is it like the chocolates in the the big variety packs? It's just getting smaller every year. Maybe. By the way, I'm with Mick. Oh, I blew my nose to introduce myself. I can't believe you missed that. <laughs> and Jen? Hello. So let's just talk about what we have seen. I am going to start with... Let's start with some stuff we can fire through quite quickly. War of the Worlds. Either of you watched War of the Worlds? No. No, but I'm a big fan of Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Well, da da We oh, could do God, that again so for like yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, Jen's going to start crying. Please stop. da Anyway, BBC drama, four parts. And what's strange about it is... I, th- I mean, I don't know the history of, like, science fiction writing, but my guess is that, that War of the Worlds is literally the first alien invasion book because everything else that's about alien invasions gets called War of the Worlds, regardless of whether it is in any way an accurate representation of the book by H.G. Wells. And then it kind of gets a life of its own. It becomes the radio play, which famously read by Orson Welles, which caused everyone to go mad. In America, the action there was moved to America. Action was also moved to America for the Tom Cruise film, which bears no resemblance to the book whatsoever. Also, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, which we've been talking about, bears no resemblance to... It's at least set here. Characters are added, things are added. Actually, the basic, if you've actually read War of the Worlds, it's really fucking basic. You don't even know what the name of the guy is in it. Doesn't even have a name. He's just literally, we found this thing, this thing happened. Anyway, so this is War of the Worlds, but it's not War of the Worlds. It is set in London. That's one thing. It's around the uh, right time. But they've added 
backstory. They've added flash forwards. They've added a woman because he does have a wife in it, but he just takes her somewhere and then you never hear from her again. Um, it's got it's added a socially unconventional relationship it's not war of the worlds there's there's no two ways about it the socially unconventional relationship bearing in mind I haven't seen this is this between a human and one of the aliens no no <laughs> big aliens that would be no 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 it's it's about a, an unmarried couple oh I know Boris in Victorian times I know um, it's Raceball who I love it was okay I don't know. It was okay. It's it's maybe a thing to watch if it's still on the iPlayer over Christmas when you're bored at looking at other people's faces. Do you think it's only okay because at the moment you're you're wanting the aliens to come and take over and actually it's all about us defeating them? Well, partly, but I think that is part of it because I think the point with making a big drama like War of the Worlds now is it, they had the opportunity to maybe say something about now and if they were saying something about now, I didn't spy it. Okay. Let's move on to something else that was on the BBC Guilt, which is a four-part drama by BBC Scotland, written by Neil Forsyth. Interesting thing about this is it was initially pitched as a thriller and then later repackaged and sold as a black comedy, which I think it is way more than it's a thriller about two brothers who, I mean, it happens very on early on in it, so literally the first scene, so it's no spoiler alert, who accidentally kill an old man and then try to cover it up. Uh, two brothers played by um, Jamie Sives and Mark Bonner. And I have to say the best thing about this is is that they are both doing absolutely what they do best. Jamie Sives being the kind of feckless everyman and Mark Bonner being the guy you really can't trust or you're not sure if you can trust him or not. But you like him anyway. But you kind of like him anyway. I love Mark Bonner. He's amazing. Um, Either of you watched Guilt? I haven't. It's on my list though because you recommended it. It's Um, all right. When we're on the BBC, Jen, do you want to tell me what you've been making of His Dark Materials? Have you watched it yet, mate? I haven't watched it yet but obviously there's no spoilers because I've read it. Um, I believe, although it's so long ago since I read it that I can't remember what isn't in the book but there are some quite big changes like they've introduced some characters from the next book in the first series already so like will oh is well he doesn't usually turn up until yeah he's he's rocked up already and i'm a bit like what is this backstory i don't remember at all anyway um i just don't remember anything from the book but the books i love as does mick i know um and so i think that the there's quite a lot of pressure doing this also because there was a film version of it before which did not go down that well big Johnny Craig in it I actually didn't think it was that bad the film personally yeah it was alright I thought it was alright it's just that they couldn't then make any more because America was going nuts about it Um, because for those of you who don't know the book it's kind of about well it's perceived as being like anti-Christianity or anti-Catholicism but Philip Pullman actually says it's anti-extremism that said didn't um Harry Potter suffer a little bit in America for people going, oh, witches. They're, I don't uh, know. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds about right. I, mean, I don't think it was a big thing, mm. but I think there were certain elements, you know, that were yeah. like, oh, this is encouraging our children to get into devil craft and stuff. Yeah, quite. That's, that sounds like something that would happen in America. But yeah, there was a big thing. Uh, there was a huge backlash against the film at the time in America. But this is an HBO, what BBC. What film are you, are you talking about? The, the, um, sorry, the, his, the, the Golden Compass, Compass the Golden I think Compass, is what it was yeah. called. Oh, did that have McShane in it? No, no it had Daniel Craig, Daniel Nicole Craig. Kidman. Mm. Oh, OK. Daniel Craig was a great um, Azrael. Yeah, love big Danny C. And uh, I didn't think James McAvoy, who's Azrael in this, I was a bit like... Mm. Don't really, don't really buy it, but he's very good. I think it, I think it works. Uh, Anne Marie Doff, 
as Mark Costa. She's fucking great. Um, your man, Clark Peters, as uh, as the dean of Jordan College. He's great. Daphne Keane, who plays little, little Lyra, the best character ever, is amazing. Absolutely love her. Yorick fucking Burnison, the bear. Oh, my God. The bear looks amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, just, for, just for people sorry. maybe who don't yeah, know sorry. the book, Jen. Um, <laughs> say something. Uh, say something that will make them want to watch it. it. I think, I mean, I'm biased. I'm an unreliable witness because I love, love, love the book, but I think it's great. I'm really enjoying it. I think they've, they've done a really good job of it. It's really full of all of the sort of magic and mystery and 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 wonderment that the book just really really you know basically it's sort it's set in an england that isn't our england because it's in a slightly different dimension yeah and there's a magical property called dust and lyra's almost a magical kid and it yeah. follows her discovering why she's special yeah right so and her and there's this group of sort of evil overlords called the magisterium who don't want Lord Asriel, who is secretly Lyra's dad, to find out about... Is that a massive spoiler? No, you find out very early on, I right. think it's... Um, so, um, I don't want him to find out more about Dust, which is what he's trying to do. And then there's all sorts of other shit going on. They've all got demons, which are like little animals that are sort of like... Kind of like their soul, I guess. Yep. And that are attached to them. Well, like familiars. Sort, sort of, of. more attached... As in, yeah. they can only go a certain distance away from them. Yeah, they're like parts well, like of that. Hurt. Like that thing that he had in that what that what terrible Arnie film did we watch? Where somebody... Total Recall. Yes, it's not like no, it's not like an unborn twin. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, uh, but more like a like a, a soul pet. Yeah, it can't like it's sort of literally part of you. It's just I think it does all of the things the book does really well. I think it's really I, I think it's really lovely. It's quite dark. In places, which the book is, I just I think, yeah, I love it, and I think Daphne Keane is a really, really brilliant Lyra as well. Excellent. Okay, well, well, let's take a break, and then we'll be back to talk about two things that I'm one that I'm moderately excited in talking about, and one which is fucking amazing, and that'll be coming up after the break. Hey there. In case you missed our last London show on International Men's Day, which sold out, humble brag. And in case you can't make it to our Newcastle show on January the 12th, which has also sold out, humble brag, you may be interested to note that we have another gig, our final gig of the year, in fact, on December the 11th at King's Place in London. And we're going to be joined by she of Psychoville, Back to Life and Episodes fame, the fantastic Daisy Haggard, and also Tiff Stevenson to complete the lineup. So that's fantastic news. So get yourself a ticket for that and maybe get everyone you know a ticket for it as well for a uh, lovely little Christmas present. That's right, give the gift of lols. You can do that by checking out our website www.standardissuepodcast.com Welcome back. So, uh, two things that I want to talk about. Number one, The Crown and number two, Watchmen. So let's start with The Crown, which I'm thinking more people would have watched. But not you guys. Although, Jen... Since we were talking about it with Chris Addison, you've started watching. I have started watching, but I started at the start, as, Which is as very sensible. you told me to do. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you can start. The, the thing is, with this, if you were going to start, you could start here, Series 3, because it's had an overhaul. So you could actually start with Series 3, but I always think it's quite sensible to start from the start. So, The Crown, the story of Queen Elizabeth II from her um, basically getting the crown. 
it does sometimes go back in history to other events, but it basically starts with her being crowned and it's like her life in events in history. First two series, which is series you'll be watching. The Queen is played by Claire Foy and The Duke of Edinburgh is played by Matt Smith. I have a question. Yes. I wonder what it's sort of based on other than obviously history but like and I don't think it's based on a book or anything I think it's just based on up. it's Stephen Daldry is a producer Stephen Daldry did The Queen obviously uh-huh. so I think he it's it's based on people's interest but that is interesting because I'll come back to that because mm-hmm. how historically accurate The Crown is, is is kind of interesting so series three whole new cast because obviously everyone's got older and now we have as The Queen Olivia Coleman. Tobias Menzies is now the Duke of Edinburgh. I think there's a rule, some unwritten law here, that every actress eventually gets to have a go on Tobias Menzies because <laughs> here he is again. There are also new faces, as in people who were not in it before because those characters weren't in it before, mm. obviously. Yes, we were talking about this with Chris Addison the other day and I, much the same as him, clearly a Republican, by that, I mean not a monarchist rather than one of Donald Trump's lot. And you cannot fault it on production values, on it just looks beautiful. You get great character actors playing great characters and like proper characters from history. But that's kind of where it hinges, I think, the idea of characters. Because in this series, there are a couple of people who have been recast, obviously, and we've got even more famous actors playing them now. And I. I'm not very, I wasn't very, like, great on those performances. For example, Charles Dance is now playing uh, Lord Mountbatten. And Derek Jacobi is now playing the former Prince of Wales, Edward VIII, or the former Edward VIII. Both some luminaries there. Both Mm. of those, I didn't like those performances because they struck me that they were playing characters rather than playing people. And I would add to that Helena Bonham Carter's performance as Princess Margaret. I think Vanessa Kirby was excellent as Princess Margaret because she seemed like a real person, whereas now they seem she seems like a bit of a a pastiche of a person. I I think Princess Margaret does feel a bit like a caricature, though. Oh, I don't know. I think Princess Margaret's quite interesting. She's the most interesting one. Oh, isn't she certainly she? is in uh, earlier. But I mean, in real life, she was the most interesting, wasn't it, it, she? It, well, I think she was. Yes, I mean, she did towards the end go. I mean, I could talk about Princess Margaret for ages, to be honest, because yes, she did have a really shit time of it, but then she became a bit of a bell end. So you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> a bit of a bell end. The weird thing about this is, it's not especially historically accurate. It tends to crush loads of events together, so it looks like something that was happening at the same time caused this reaction to this, when in fact those things happened six months apart. There's a couple of great, like I say, characters, and by that I mean characterful people in it. Uh, LBJ, who we know an awful lot about as Bathroom Habits, is played by Clancy Brown, which is great. Come here, pretty. Uh, Lorraine Ashbourne turns up as Barbara Castle. She's not in it very much, but everything that Barbara Castle says is magic, and this is a great bit where somebody asks her whether she's had the time to read the preparations for the Prince of Wales's um, like inauguration thing, pantomime, whatever. And she <laughs> says, not the time, nor the inclination, frankly. <laughs> it's, just, it's just beautiful stuff like that. What is amazing, two things I really, really fucking love in this. Number one, a uh, new character turning up, Harold Wilson, who's played by Jason Watkins, who is great. And he and Olivia Coleman have some amazing scenes together. Harold Wilson and the Queen became friends. To me, the star, absolute star of the season three by a thousand miles is Josh O'Connor as Prince Charles. 
which is he is crazy good as Prince Charles. Actually, makes Prince Charles appear to be a human being, which is incredible achievement. I think. I think he's quite human anyway. But of all the royals, I actually yeah. dis- I, I dislike right. him the yeah. least. But even so, there's something about how sort of a man out of place he is that mm. he always seems vaguely comedic. There's something underlying him which seems quite funny. But actually, in this, there's something underlying him which is desperately tragic. Have you ever seen God's Own Country? Brokeback Mountain in Yorkshire. It's amazing. Oh, I remember talking about it a lot. Yeah. Josh O'Connor's in that, and right, he's okay. great, and he is great. But the whole thing is, what's the point? They all seem to question, what is the point? What is the point of me? What? Everyone's having a midlife crisis in this. Princess Margaret, what's the point of her? The Duke of Edinburgh, what's the point of him? Prince Charles, what's the point of him? And I do wonder what the feeling of the programme is, because if the feeling of the programme is, what's the point of the royal family? I, I, I wonder why... They're equally so different at the same time. Maybe we're going to get to it. The Crown confuses me, but I do quite like watching it. Have you watched the whole of that series? Have you watched all of it? Yes. So is Margaret Thatcher in the next series? Margaret, yes, it ends. Uh, See, this is something quite interesting. This series ends 1977, the Golden Mm. Jubilee, which means that everything that happens from then on in it, I will remember, Mm. which I think will possibly affect my opinion of later but it's difficult because, like, Olivia Coleman is great. But the ultimate thing is, how do you get to be great playing the Queen? Because we don't know whether that's an accurate portrayal of the Queen this or not. This is what I think is really interesting. And I like the fact that she does a lot of, and Claire Foy did it really well as well, a lot of that stony face, no reaction great thing going on. accent on Foy. I'll get to that because that's a good point. Like, when she's in private, sitting there... Then the inscrutable face, I'm like, I'm pretty much sure she has a proper face in private, but we don't know what that face is. So we have to stick with, with, yeah, Claire Foy and Vanessa Kirby's accents were immaculate. Mm. I think Olivia Coleman still sounds like Olivia Coleman in this. And I think that Helen bon- Bonham Carter still sounds like Helen Bonham Carter. Maybe they'll grow on me. But I actually think, much as I love, love, love Olivia Coleman, I, I actually think she's not quite got there yet. Claire with Foy's. It. Accent in it is yeah. just. The, have you ever heard Princess Margaret's Desert Island Disc? No. You can hear like glasses one? shattering around the country. Did you Desert Island she Disc? She did, yeah. Wow, I want to listen to that. I haven't seen it, but I've got a question. Yes. Uh, has the Queen seen any cows yet? The Queen looking at cows is surely the best thing ever. Look, Philip, a cow. <laughs> no. Well, let me know when that happens and I'll start tuning in. Yeah. You'd think that she'd have seen a fair few cows in her time, wouldn't you? Because, you know, lots of big estates yeah. and places. But it, but it is odd because it asks you, it ultimately asks you to have sympathy for them. Mm. And there are elements of it that, I mean, I ultimately I could do. look at Princess Margaret and I could look at Prince Charles and I could actually say, I wouldn't want your life. Mm-hmm. Really confidently, yeah. I wouldn't want your life. Prince so, Andrew, don't want his life. <laughs> so I do have some sympathy for some of the characters in it. But equally, when you come up against an episode like Abba Van, which happens in yeah, this, not, and then I'm yet. like, I don't know why I should be feeling sympathy for the Queen when there are men trying to dig their children out of the earth with their bare hands. So it kind of, it's, it's weird, the crown. It never quite sits happily with me. But I do like watching it. I shall persist. Yes, do it. I shall wait for cows. So finally, Watchmen, which I watched. What the first three, and then I've been watching them week on week, which I actually think is the best way to watch them because let's start at the start. Watchmen, HBO, 
It's on Sky. I'm guessing it's 10 parts because that's what HBO Sky stuff tends to be. We're up to about probably seven now. I've seen six because I think it's on tonight, which is Monday when it would be. Anyway, you know, the usual. And it is uh, Alan Moore's like graphic novel, Watchmen, uh, updated. No, that isn't even the word. It's new. It's based on that. Is it reimagined? Nope. It's based on that. All that stuff happened. But now they've shot forward and we're now in 2019. And we're in a 2019 that exists because of the things that happened in Watchmen. Now, I have no idea about Watchmen. I did see a couple of friends of mine. Uh, John, who does our... Well, you can talk about evil pay, but they're not evil, are they? That's it. My, that, my friend, that's my friend, John. Uh, I was talking to him about it. He filled in a couple of holes because it's difficult when you're watching something. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult when you're watching something that you don't know anything about the history of, that you think, is this relevant? Am I going to have to keep an eye on this plot line because it's relevant to a denouement in the future? Or is that a plot line that is literally just surfacing fanboys Mm -hmm. along that line? So let me talk about what I do know which is going on. Number one, Damon Lindelof. If you're going to pick a universe that's like ours almost exactly but a bit spun off its axis, I don't think you can go to anyone better than Damon Lindelof to do it. He's taken Regina King with him, who was also in The Leftovers. She is amazing. Absolutely spectacular, just brilliant, Regina King. I could watch her all day. She is cracking. She's every a fine day. actress. In a lot of ways, it feels like a collection of short stories. You know the way The Leftovers did, that you could have an episode that was entirely self-contained and had nothing to do with anyone else? Mm, but and they weren't could, quite bottle episodes yeah, either. Yeah, but you couldn't ever see how it was going to fit, and then right at the yeah, last yeah. it fitted, and mm. that's exactly what you've got going on here. The last two episodes of this that I saw, one is based on... Um, Tim Blake Nelson's character, and it is so much like The Leftovers, it, it, that episode. It's amazing. And is then that, it, you said it's a bit international assassin. No. The episode oh. after that, the following week, which is based on the character played by Lou Gossett Jr., who was played in his youth by Jovan Adipo, who was also in The Leftovers, is also incredible. It's very, very rare you get two great episodes of TV back-to-back so close together. I can't remember... I mean, there probably there's a couple in the second series of The Leftovers. There's a couple in this last series of Succession. But I don't think really since Mad Men have I seen a series where I was like, oh, I think I just saw the best episode of this series. And then the next week's was better. It's been a while, probably since about the fifth series of, of Mad Men since that happened. So, yes, absolutely fucking spectacular. Can't promise you'll understand it. But it gives you a feeling in your belly of, oh, my dad, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm amazed that anything about a graphic novel that I haven't even read could make me feel like that is an absolute winner. Damon Lindelof is making some of the best things on TV now, I think. Lovely stuff. Anybody else watch anything else? No, I don't think so. I just rewatched Carnival, but I Did mean, you? that's not relevant. That's a bit Clancy Brown for you. Oh, such such a terrifying but good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was great, but I think we had a little chat about Watchmen. And what's interesting about Carnival, which obviously was cut off in its, uh, its absolute prime, is it's a slow burner. And that's why it ended up being cancelled. That and it was very, very expensive. And it, HBO just weren't seeing the returns they wanted. But when we initially chatted about Watchmen off air, you said it took a, a few episodes to get into it. But I think people are becoming more patient. Well, I think... Well, I feel like, I, like I say, I watched it in the perfect part because I watched three all together because it's on my holidays and it's rare that I get like three hours to just sit down and barrel through something. Three, so I actually felt I had a grip on what was going on. 
together. Mm-hmm. And then I've watched it in the weeks that it's come out. And I think that's the best way to watch it. Because some of these episodes, I think, merit thought on a level that if you just started watching the next episode, you would have failed to reflect on what you've just seen. So if you can, try and watch a lot and then give give yourself a break between them or at least a night between them to sort of take it in. I have watched something else, but it's not very good. Okay. I watched, um, what's it called? I want to say Bloodsucker, but that's not what it's called. What's it called? Gold Digger. <laughs> Bloodsucker. <laughs> it was the same thing. Uh, yeah, I it's just about just a vampire like, who marries an older woman. Um, gold Digger. <laughs> uh, which gold Sucker. Gold Sucker. <laughs> Suck Digger. I was about to say very different then. Um, which is quite compelling, cause you, but also quite obvious. Because you're like, oh, there's going to be a twist in this. So I'm compelled to watch to find out what the twist is, but I sort of knew what the twist was going to be. Interesting that Julia Ormond mm. is playing a 60-year-old in it. Yeah. And she's 52. Yes. And I thought, could you not have... Got like, a 60-year-old. Got a 60-year-old. Nothing against Julia Ormond. Or just made Julia Ormond 52. Mm. Or her character 52 in it. Mm. But to actually, it feels like they had to go, oh, God, darling, we can't have a real 60-year-old. No, we must have someone who's still unfeasibly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. She is unfeasibly beautiful. I what? watched oh, go on. I watched a couple of episodes of Liam Williams's new BBC3 comedy, Ladhood. And I will watch the rest. There are six, as is standard for the BBC comedy series. Uh, the title gives it away. It's, it's mainly focused on the lads. Uh, lads. He is great. I think he's brilliant. That dour, dark, pessimistic sense of humour really tickles me. And he's a Leeds lad, and it's really nice to see something set in the north and set in Garforth, which is, like, buttfuck nowhere really near Leeds, but close enough to the city that the kids have got attitude or think they should have attitude. And it's also just a really gentle look at being a teenager and all the things that you're trying to achieve but it's this very clever premise I do think it's a very clever premise as well where he starts off as an adult something happens and he goes back to an episode in his past to work out why he is that way about stuff so the first one is about he gets jealous of his girlfriend he goes to start a fight then goes back to the first fight he was involved in the second one is about booze and his relationship with that and the first time he got pissed. So it's it's very That's interesting. It's got that lovely nostalgia to it as well that you can if you're of an age of you he's sort of early thirties, if you're of that age and up and up a bit, then you're gonna recognise a lot of the stuff that they're doing. And the kids who play the young Liam and his pals are really, really brilliant. And I think the obvious comparison would be in between us, but it's not as it's not as ribald as that, ribald. Ribald, I think. I don't know. It's not as uh, it's not as ribaldy ribald as that. It's it's much more nuanced, and that isn't to diss the in between us, which is absolutely cracking. But yeah, I like it. I'd suggest if you've got twenty minute episodes as well, so just mm. sort of a switch off one, but have a nice giggle. Talking of twenty minute episodes, I believe the end of the fucking world is back for a second series as well. I thought you I meant the actual end of the world. I was like, what? That's uh, next Thursday, that's the next, 12th. That's, that's yeah. the 12th of December. Right, I'm going to stop so I can edit this so people have a chance to live and hear it before... Good call. December the 12th. Oh. Good luck, people. Hello. I just noticed you going in your bag for something and could hear the jingle jangle of some change. Now then, 
If that change isn't being used for a cup of tea or coffee or to do a worthy cause, you could consider giving it to us. And you can do that by popping over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash standard issue. And any bunts you would like to throw our way is very gratefully received and helps us keep making content that champions women. Thanks very much. Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box.